So how do you attract new business so you constantly don't have to chase it? Hi, I'm Mike Cuevas, the Real Estate Marketing Dude, and this podcast is all about building a strong personal brand people have come to know, like, trust, and most importantly, refer. But remember, it is not their job to remember what you do for a living, it's your job to remind them. Let's get started. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Marketing Dude Podcast. Uh, what we're going to be chatting about today, folks, is uh, something we've been ringing the bell about for the last four fucking months um, and, uh, and beyond, even longer. But um, yeah, we've seen interruption in the form of iBuyers and all of that. But let's really talk about the big gorilla in the room beyond iBuyers. You could actually work with iBuyers and still do a lot of business. But I believe that there's a lot of these uh, big tech companies. One starts with a big Z, you fucking losers. Um, that um, are really trying to, I think it's the Trojan horse. I mean, we've been talking about this forever and we're actually brought on a data dude today that is actually going to verify some of the shit we've been talking about on this on this radio show or this podcast. I mean, for the last five, six, seven years, we've been saying interruptions coming or what are they going to do with it? And it wasn't long ago. I remember in some of the groups like lab code agents, I forget the dude's name, but this guy was a total douchebag, always going out there and be like, oh, we're never going to do this. Oh, we're never going to do this. And he always ended up with egg on his face because every time he said Zillow wasn't going to do this, guess what Zillow did two months later? Zillow did exactly what he said they weren't. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, they're a business like this is capitalism, guys. So I have no problem with Zillow. I love competition. As a matter of fact, it forces us to reinvent and do things a little bit better. And there's a lot of ways you can actually compete back against big tech. But one of the ways you're not going to compete back against them is an ad spend. You're not going to probably compete with them with website traffic. But there's different ways that you can. And I've been saying it from the one thing that big tech um, will never have is going to be the relationship you have intact with the people that you serve on a frequent basis, your friends, your family, your aunts, your uncles, and most importantly, your past clients. If you stay out of relationship with those people, then you're correct. Big tech is interrupting it right now. They're drowning the airwaves, talking about how big of a waste of money you are. And that's why there's really things such as commission compression happening. You're only worth what the market is willing to pay. When you have a lot of money drowning the airwaves, telling them that you're a big waste of money, you're starting to have these conversations in the kitchen talking about what are you going to do for your 5 or 6% commission? Really, Johnny? It's not coincidence. There's a direct correlation because they're drowning the airwaves with this. This is why we're seeing in Phoenix commission compression is real. They're getting 4% listing agreements, guys. It's coming to every single market. And what we really have to do is justify the value we bring to the table because people don't care what you charge. They care that it's justified. So what we're going to do is introduce our guest today, Mr. Brad McDaniel. Um, this dude knows all about these stats and all this stuff. He's going to take us through what he's seen on the back end from a tech perspective, a traffic perspective, which is gonna be a really interesting conversation. So without further ado, let's go ahead and introduce Mr. Brad McDaniel. If you wanna say hello, tell our listeners a little bit about who the hell you are and what we're gonna chat about today. Hey, thanks, Mike. Yeah, I appreciate having me on, man. Um, you know, I kind of grew up in the real estate industry ever since I was, uh, you know, a, a sawed off nothing at 13 years old, you know, helping my dad doing the trifold and stuff in front of the the TV at uh, Friday night, watching blockbuster movies, right? Watching how much work he had to do to build a great business. And from there, I kind of, you know, went through career and uh, market leader in Trulia. And then, you know, kind of got front row seat, the consolidation of the space uh, I'm a, as a senior product guy. So um, I saw the holes, saw the gaps from the inside. And I said, you know what, there's got to be a better way to do this. And so I broke away and started likely.ai a while back. And, you know, what I do right now is using data, you know, I'm always kind of looking for new trends or things that are interesting in the market. 
And when I spot something, you know, I kind of raise a hand or look into it a little more to see if there's a there there. And I've always heard this, the big Z guys out there that they're going to take over the, the market and become a broker. But I'm always like, how, why, Where, where's the data? <laughs> how could this actually happen? I get everyone thinks it's going to happen eventually and somehow, but why and how? And so I, I kind of put together a couple of notes on, on what I believe, you know, lays out a, a, a way for someone to do it, whether or not it's them or someone else. Uh, because it's plausible, you know, it's not, you know, it's plausible from a data standpoint, right? It makes sense. It's, it's actually, uh, there's a clear path to, to knocking out about 97, 98% of agents. And uh, that stat just blew my mind. So do you, do you want to kind of get into a little bit more of the stats right now? Do you want to? Uh, yeah. So I just want to repeat that stat. Yeah, of course. Uh, but I want to repeat that stat. Like, hello, eliminate nearly 98% of the agents. And if you don't think that these big tech corporations have a lot of people that are smarter than me, Brad, and all of you guys listening combined, they do. That's why they make the big bucks. Brad's one of those dudes who's on the inside there. You're like a Project Veritas reporter coming out here right now, <laughs> breaking, breaking down what's going on. Here's how I look at Zilla. I look at much like our government is today. Um, doesn't seem like they're ever <laughs> in the best interest of what the hell we're doing. For some yeah. reason, there's all these kinds of different lies that are constantly happening. But this is what's happening with Zillow. Trust me, dude, they have a path. They know what they're doing. That's why they keep changing their song every single time. Like I said, nothing against Zillow. It's capitalism. But the question is, is how do we compete back? So let's get into what you're seeing here. And let's start with that. Sure. So, the, I mean, the first thing is just kind of what's going on with how you do business, how you generate business today. A lot of people started using Facebook to, to generate leads as well as Zillow, Trulia, everything else out there that's a portal. Now, with iOS 14 update, you know, targeting the special ad category and cross-platform tracking started to blow up a lot of agents' ads. So it's like, oh, okay, that's hurting a little bit. And then you look at, you know, just take Zillow as the example here, the big Z, excuse me. Um, you know, hey, they have three profitable quarters in the uh, agent premier program, right? That's paying for everything that they're doing mm -hmm. on the investment side, iBuyer side, right? And so eventually as, as a public corporation, they're gonna have to be able to show growth. So. I was like, all right, how would they actually grow their revenue if you know, they have a retail side and they have a, a, an investor side, how do they grow? Which one goes fast, right? Like, well, they could actually split the switch on probably the retail side to accelerate growth on the investment side. Now, how, why and how would they do this, right? Like, so here are the numbers. Uh, I, I pulled the numbers on, on transaction, number of transactions per agent is kind of the one that got me is that if I looked at Redfin, EXP, Compass, kind of, okay, uh, a, a site like, you know, has a big well-known website, you know, Redfin, and then the next-gen brokers. You know, you think those guys are coming up and doing well. Well, Redfin had 42 transactions per agent in 2020 compared to EXP and Compass at six and seven, respectively, right? Going, okay, you know, that's interesting, but they're coming up. Maybe the numbers weren't accurate. I'm like, let's look at what their traffic volume on a monthly basis by Uniques. Uh, well, Man, Redfin, dude, they're at like 82 million plus, right? Unique monthlies. And, and EXP is at 1.6, Compass is at 6.4 million, so 6.4 million. So significant orders of magnitude difference. And go back real thing. quick. I'm just writing these down. Redfin sure. at 82 million webs. These are website visitors per month. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And next one was uh, EXP was 1.6 and Compass was 6.4. And these are the best stats that are out there. I mean, obviously it's fluid. And is this, do you have Realogy's numbers combined as a, uh, all of them I, combined or? I did. I don't think I have it in these. No, numbers. no worries. I was no, just wondering I if you're anywhere close to Redfin. Yeah. I can go back and I can follow up with you after this and kind of 
circle back and give you some some you know follow up on that. I just don't have it kind of calculated. I initially when I started doing this, I wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna go do this and go try to talk to people about it. I was like, just curious, you know, yeah. going, okay, you know, is this is this a thing or not? Right. And then um, I said, okay, that's, 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 I didn't expect that. Uh, but because there's correlation here, um, what if there was someone else that had even more traffic than Redfin, like a Zillow, right? Zillow has about three point, uh, three, 302 million monthlies. So, I mean, another two orders of magnitude, right? Well, on a percentage of unique traffic basis a month, if Zillow was able to be as productive as Redfin, right? Redfin nets 42 transactions per agent. Zillow would have each one of their agents at 149 transactions per year. Mm. That's massive, right? Now, I doubt it's ever going to be exactly that, but just the, the possibility that another tech company that knows how to streamline and optimize like Zillow, that is plausible, right? And so if that happened, you know, my mind now kind of follow the bouncing ball a little bit here. Okay, how many transactions are there a year? How many agents are there? How many agents would be required, right? There's 1.4 million agents roughly today. There are 6.4 million transactions. That's including new homes. So if you just said 5.6 for existing, that makes sense too, right? But let's just do 6.4. You would only need 43,000 agents if you every agent was doing 149 uh, transactions a year. So that eliminates... 97% of the industry, which I don't think is going to happen like that, but it's plausible. And so whether or not it's a player we know today or someone else, I think what we as an industry need to do is help agents, lenders, investors get in front of when the people they know go to one of these big portals and you know, go into this, this sea of, a, you know, this abyss of who knows, where do they get routed to, you know, over to an iBuyer or wherever else. We need to help them become and keep that relationship with people that they know, past clients, like you were talking when you opened up here. Um, and, and that's really what, what I'm passionate about and kind of our mission at Likely.ai. Interesting stats and very well put. I followed it very clearly. Um, folks, 78% of people close with the first agent they meet with. And what Zillow's doing is just swimming way the hell upstream. Um, we've all heard Redfin. This is not a knock against Redfin, but for those of you guys that are seasoned vets, you guys understand that Redfin attracts sort of the initial beginner type agents. It's the agents yeah. that leave Redfin once they can sustain their own business. So, however, it's still a revolving door. There's always going to be demand. There will be a lower level entry agent position, especially with the business, whether they're on a 60-40 split, 60 to the house, 40 to the agent, doesn't matter. They're controlling lead flow. And when you control lead flow, you control fucking everything because anyone will work for you. So what we're talking about is like you could go to uh, look at Compass, very well, big, nice brand, right? I'm curious to know what the real G numbers are. But what we're saying is statistically, Redfin agents are more productive than any other brand, period. They are, they are. Right. And, and when, I, when the Realogy was pulled, um, it was in about the same category of EXP and Compass. I mean, they're huge. So they have kind of, you know, both ends of that, that spectrum, right? The median is going to be somewhere probably relative to the market. Very interesting. Very interesting. And so now, um, right? So now what do we have, right? We have, we have a market. And so there's a kind of a unique opportunity right now. Things are changing, right? Winter, yeah, it is could be coming, but how do we get in front of that winter coming, right? Well, fortunately, it's a, it's a you know it's obviously a seller's market, right? And it's forecasted to stay that way for a period of time, whether you believe it's going to be you know three years, you know one year, six years, whatever. I mean, you you hear all the different stats by from you know NAR 
uh, statisticians to people that are just making something up so they can write something and get it online, right? But if we look at NAR stats and say, okay, that there are uh, 1.5 million, uh, 1.57 million starts annualized this year, you know, there's still a gap of that 5.5 million that will take years to make up from just consumption, right? And everyone knows this because of all this backup and everyone feels that stat today, even if they didn't know the numbers, right? So we have a unique opportunity right now to, because buyers like portals, I was at market leader and truly for years as a senior product guy, portals do buy side great. You know, it's real estate, those big giant pictures, it's real estate porn. Everyone goes there and looks at the two, $3 million homes, $20 million homes, buys a two, $300,000 home. And so they get the eyeballs. That's why they have this massive traffic. But sellers don't search the same way, right? They, they don't search for their home. They don't go to the site to look at their own home. And so right now we have an opportunity to help the industry capture, retain that business that's most valuable because then what do they own? They also own that real estate, you know, digital space because their brand face, everything's out there from a marketing standpoint, right? And so how do they do that? Um, I think it starts with their database, right? Cultivate a real asset, take a page out of the, in the, the insurance industry and have an asset you can sell at the end of the day because everyone talks database and this is where I get all my business from, but no one maintains their database. No one treats it like an asset. They treat it like a side thought. I think at best, usually it's in four or five different places. It's duplicated. They have partial information. It's just a side thought. Like, okay, we know we need to keep these sticky notes somewhere that won't fly away. So stick them in a spreadsheet and then forget about it, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I'm, man, I can, Mike, I love this. I can keep rolling with you. Uh, tell me, cut me off and no. drive me away. No, you're, I'm letting you do your thing because <laughs> I'm about to back the fuck out of it. Um, so like, um, here's the problem though, like 60 or 80% of buyers forget their agent's name. I, we said this, we say this maybe every other show. Um, I always tell you guys, you don't spike the football when you sell the damn house. You spike the football when you sell that same person, their third, fourth, fifth house, plus generate three or four or five referrals from them. Because the only way you're going to compete back against big tech, like you guys, honestly, if you're listening to this and you have, it's the first time you're listening to the show, I want you to go back to that and watch every episode from the last 10, because this is what we've been talking about. And there's only one way you're going to compete. Like I still don't understand why agents even try to compete by putting IDX search on their websites, other than the SEO benefits of it, which nobody is, knows how to do anyways. You're just throwing away the 59 to $79 a month. That money would be much better spent personalizing and humanizing the site to establish a relationship either with people you already know, establish authority, a credibility, or um, you know, your own video content, whatnot. Because this, here's all the other stats. So let's go through the referral stats because predominantly these stats are very staggering. However, um, at least last year, I'd be interested to see what the source of business comes from in 2021 when that report comes out. But it's still near over near 80% of business still came from the people they know. So even though people start on a search site early on swimming upstream, they're probably six months out, really top of funnel. They're looking at like Zillow, they're going there. But once they get on Zillow's radar, trust me, Zillow's all over them. You know, I think they're retargeting them. They're all over their shit. And mm -hmm. when you're everywhere all the time, that's what you're really fighting against. So you're not going to outmarket Zillow. You're not going to advertise Zillow. Um, or any of these big techs, Redfin, yep. I mean, it's, it's a competitor. But what you can do is you can own the relationship you have with your networks. And there's only really two reasons why people decide to hire an individual agent. The first one is their personal brand and how they do business. It's a personal relationship. Each and every week, we tell you guys, and I'm going to give myself the same shameless push or pitch right here, because this is exactly <laughs> why we farm people with video content, because we make them fall in love with your fucking brand. So that when they think of real estate, they think of you first. If you own the attention of real estate in their mind, 
you're more likely to get that call versus Zillow because our advantage is through brand right here. Zillow is the big evil empire. Zillow is the federal government, right? Zillow is the CCP, whatever the fuck you want to call it. <laughs> Zillow is the big evil guy trying to take you out of business right fucking now. So how do you do that? Well, nobody, there's a reason why you lose business to little cousin Billy and, and uh, Aunt Susie, the blue haired realtor that still doesn't even know how to log on to Facebook each and every year. And the reason for that is because they have a stronger relationship with that client than you do. Yeah. It's not because exactly they're smarter. Right. It's just because they have a strong relationship. So that's yep. one way to do it, right? Absolutely. The other way to do it is you got to do something different. The number one question I ask when I brand somebody, they come into our camp and I'm always looking for what they're doing differently, both from in a way of how they do business, but also in a, a way of what they offer their clients. And the truth is that every single one of you, we have the same damn listing plan. Every single one of you have a 5%, a 6%. There's a reason why we built Listing Advocate. I'm going to give you another shameless plug, listingadvocate.com listingadvocate.com. That's exactly how we're competing back against interruption because all we're doing is offering multiple solutions to sell their house, offering multiple ways for there to monetize. And we're just doing things different. And look at Redfin. Why can Redfin go into a market, infiltrate it? Because they're doing something different. They have a USP in how they do businesses in the form of a rebate. If they don't have the rebate, Redfin isn't Redfin. Yep. Zillow's about to have their rebate. What, what do they do differently? Well, I'll buy their house. Trust me, Zillow, uh, Realtor.com, every single one of these entities are in the seller lead generation business right now. And yeah. every single one of them are swimming so upstream. And what they're really doing is they're locking in the listing by either incentivizing the other half of the commission side and then monetizing the purchase. That's it. This is the fucking future of real estate. And you're either going to... Uh, he's right. A lot of people are going to go out of business, but what's going to happen, I think you're exactly right, is that you're either going to compete in two ways. Hopefully you compete in both. And whatever yeah, and those I, are, I, I can help you. <laughs> and they definitely can, right? They, they definitely can. I mean, I, I'm an advocate for the industry, right? And, yeah. and, I don't, and there's some people that think, oh, you know, agents are outdated and they're going to go wait. No, they're not. Uh, that's just, they're, they're not. Humans are humans and they like to interact with humans around big transactions because what agents all are more like psychiatrists than anything else at the time of close. And that's why everyone probably drinks heavily uh, after closing. because they got to let go a little bit of the pressure. But half the, that's why half the industry are drug addicts. Yeah. Alcoholics. <laughs> We're just kidding, guys. I never did any of that shit. What are you talking about, Brad? Psychopath. Uh, and so like, how do you, be, how do you compete, right? If, if you have to, you know, if you can't outspend someone, right? You have to outsmart them. And yes. if you already have relationships or you have some type of connection with your database, and you can't spend on, you know, as much as you would want to on everybody. You have to be selective on who you spend your time, energy, and money with. And it changes over time, right? Mm -hmm. But how do you do that systematically and not go insane? Because what are agents and lenders and investors doing? They're out of the office most of the time. They're not going to be sitting there working spreadsheets, right? And so what... Can I give a little plug here on, on how we can help with this? Is sure. that okay with you? I mean, one sure. of the Just walk me through what you guys do. We'll plug it at the end. Okay. Yeah, sure. So one of the things that, that, you know, after the years of market leader and Trulia and Zillow and so forth, like I said, there's got to be a better way than, than pure SEO play, right? I mean, I think you hit on something earlier that, you know, if you, rather than having IDX feeds on your site, unique content is something that's there, right? I mean, how Compass is trying that with, having, you know, their own listings, that's their form of unique content, right? And I mean, if you look right. at like Netflix and, you know, uh, Disney Plus and all those, they're spending billions of dollars 
because that's when growth is when something's more or less a commodity, right? And so how can you bring unique content? It's your personality, it's who you are, and it's not just that, but it's when. So I like to think of it as frequency and frequency. So it's what frequency you communicate on and how frequent do you communicate there, right? And it changes. So if you just blast everything, everyone has a drip email in their probably own business. They know what you're doing to them. And they don't feel special, they don't care, there's no relationship. So uh, one thing that we developed, we call a database refresh. So you basically bring your, your set of contacts in a CSV or Excel, export it out of wherever you want, drag and drop it. As long as there's an address, city, state, and zip, we do the rest. We then do all this geeky data stuff, normalizing it and pending it to assessor tables and demographic tables, and then give you back within an hour, we text you when, when your database has been refreshed. And we give you a nice little report card saying, hey, this is how many good addresses you have. This is the number of people that have sold in the last nine months. And these, this is the number that, that are going to sell in the next six months. And this is what your gross commission on both what you've lost and what you could gain. So, hey, take that, buy that report, and then market to that cohort of likely sellers more aggressively. Re-engage, take them out. Like, get to know them again. Don't treat them like the other 90%. Because if only 5% of people sell, 6% of people sell every year, 95% of your database doesn't care about you right now. They mm -hmm. just don't. And let's say 1% per quarter, 1.5% per quarter. So, I mean, you are literally looking for that needle in a haystack. And what the, right now it's, hey, spray and pray, get it out there and you're good to go. But I, as so many people have said- I like this. Difference. Let me put it in another way for you guys to look at it. Um, and um, like, I'm a firm believer in farming your database, all of it. Anyone you'd invite to your wedding or funeral with an unlimited budget. Um, anyone you'd be pissed off to log onto Facebook and learn they bought or sold without you or did got a loan without you. But you always have to maintain a consistent presence, whether you're creating your own show and all 100%. of that. But what he's saying is that within that database, and these are statistics, they're right on because it's 10 to 15% of your database moves each and every year. Some of those people are going to be renting though. Some of them are going to get married, divorced, um, you name it. But those are statistically true. It averages around 14% per year people move. Uh, just for things happen, right? But 100% of your network has a referral for you and 60% of business comes from referral. So when you're marketing your database, uh, you're really reminding them that you're in business versus having to tell them to hit them over the head with your damn lockbox to stay in communication with them so that when they do think of buying or selling, they think of you first. You can only do that through consistent communication of the same audience over time. All right, I love but, that. But what we're chatting about is different. Within that database, there's personal outreach. There's cut, there's, these are the people that he's talking about is he's got predictive analysis that can say, hey, the people that, are, that you're already farming and staying in front of, which you have to do, these people are the ones from our shit, looks like they're going to move. And you should probably start taking these people on golf trips, inviting them to client parties, going out to dinner, and personalizing the human outreach to them. Your acquisition but, strategy, right? You keep yeah. that brand strategy in place so that way you're present, you're relevant, you're still in business. That's vital. But then you have another spend, which is that acquisition strategy, whatever that is that fits your brand, whether like it is golf trips, whether it is steak dinners, whether it is whatever, right? Take them out in your boat and drink your 12 pack. I don't know, right. <laughs> whatever, whatever way you connect with your, your, your group, do that. But you can't take 300 people on your boat, right? I mean, on average, you know, agents have 300 and, you know, 330 people in the database. Everyone's kind of all over the place, mm -hmm. but that's about where it lands. And you can't, there's not that much time in a day at the same time, still close deals, right? And let's, so let's do that number really quick. Let's just do the math in it because here's what everyone thinks. Like, and you're right. Now the gurus though, Brad, will tell us, oh, we got to be making X amount of calls per day. Blah, 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 blah. We got to reach out to all people. 
I never understood why we start talking to strangers before we start talking to uh, relationships first. Like I just don't get it. Like it makes no sense to my brain on why yeah. I'm going to try to talk a stranger into referring me business um, versus somebody else. But I don't go after their direct business. I go after the referrals. I just get their direct business as a byproduct. Hmm. But um, how do you, um, the problem like people have those, if you have 303 people, 350 people you said in the database, well, just yep. statistically, we know that 10 to 40, or was it 10%? What's 15% of that? Do 10% to be conservative. Yeah, 10%, yeah. so 30, 30 to 33. 40 30 to 40 people are moving right from there, okay? But yeah. folks, of the 300, all of them have a referral for you. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. How, do, how is the average, this is the, this is the part that drives me nuts, is how does the average agent only do six sides a month? Like you're hiding in a closet. Nobody runs a business without telling the fucking world about it. It's your job to remind them of what you do for a living. <laughs> If I, you not telling everybody what the hell you do for a living is like me opening up a taco restaurant without a fucking space to cook the damn tacos in. <laughs> Cooking them in my the garage. Chef. I gotta get the chef. <laughs> yeah, I don't even have a chef. That's what we're doing. That's how simple this business is. But yeah, why do real estate agents try to go out and do what Zillow's doing, which re is very expensive. And it, but it used to be somewhat economical when Facebook had their game on tight and Apple wasn't messing with their jam, but now yeah. they are right now that cross platform tracking just blew it up. And yeah. I'm sure they figure it out eventually somehow, but it's going to take a while. And right now, especially with them being more touchy about the special ad category, like that thing that used to just drop things into your lap for a dollar or two, and then a percentage of those fell out. So you need an automation platform and you're good to go. That, that engine's starting to not go that flywheel is slowing down, right? And so yep. everyone kind of looks at, you know, predictive analytics, artificial intelligence, it's all this blah BS because what's been in the market's been oversold, underdelivered, And honestly, it's kind of been frustrating for me because I got a patent for predicting future events in real estate in 2013. And I watched some of those earlier companies that frustrated me that were really market automation platforms, stamp AI in the side and say, this is what it is. No, 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 it's legit tech. It just was implemented like garbage inside the real estate industry, right? And like some really simple example, right? I'm sure some of you, your users might have heard this story, but it's kind of famous in this world where Target back in the day, right? Before all the codes and the digital, you know, phones and everything else, um, they were using big data uh, because you type in your, 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 your loyalty rewards number, right? And so the way that they, what they did is they found that when a woman's pregnant, they can change shopping patterns. It's like the one place when you can like break, you know, and they go a different direction, right? Sure. So they wanted to find people that were pregnant, but how do they do that, right? I mean, if they're on a registry, if they buy diapers, well, no, because maybe they're picking at someone's friend's house or it's going to a baby shower and all that crap. So what they did is they used big data and they found that within the first 20 weeks, of pregnancy, women buy large quantities of calcium, magnesium, and zilk. I wow. totally butchered that name. That's swimming right? way go, upstream. <laughs> right? Exactly. And then they go, okay, that's interesting. They also, at the beginning of their second trimester, bought large quantities of unscented lotion, along with some combination of 20 other products. And they said, okay, now we have a pregnancy score. And the story goes that they started to send out these pam pamphlets just to have all baby stuff in them, right? And this, this uh, dad comes into one of the targets and just pissed off because his underage daughter started getting all these pamphlets. He goes, how dare you up and down? You send my daughter, who the hell, all of that. The manager had no idea, apologized. The father left upset. Father comes back a couple of weeks later and She's pregnant. hat in hand, I had an honest conversation. My daughter is pregnant. He's like, holy shit, this, 
faceless company knew that your daughter was pregnant before you did, right? And all it was is because they had normalized data in order to apply statistical analysis to it, right? Yeah. Now, apply that to real estate. It's not, it's not magic. It's much harder because we don't have someone typing in a code somewhere. We've got 3,142 different municipalities that all are run by a government. So they're all <laughs> over the place as far as how good they are. Then they have demographic data with people moving all over the place all the time and not reporting anything. Then you have market conditions and weather conditions and VIX index and the MLSs. There's 800 of those guys who all have different feeds. All this like disjointed data, right? Makes it much harder, but we spent the last four years figuring that part out and not a plug, but it's possible. So it's not magic. Just know that we are basically trying to tell you if you're pregnant or which one of your friends are pregnant uh, and rather be literally birth to a baby, they're giving, yeah. they want to sell their home. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, yeah, I, it makes a lot of sense. So I think what we're saying here really is like, it's a fair assumption folks, like um, quit trying to quit trying to like be the guy in the billboard on the side of a very busy highway, trying to speak to millions and instead be the guy that owns his fucking 300. Boom. Like that's it. This is not rocket science. Like the business has always been right in front of us, but for whatever reason, because people don't know how to communicate without always selling shit, they revert to going out and door knocking someone they've never met before or cold calling or saying this doesn't work. Or we, I, I had someone write in yesterday about, uh, oh, what website is the best to generate leads? Well, I'm like, well, that's going to depend on how much ad spend you spend. Well, I don't want to run ads right now. Well, you're not going to fucking generate leads then. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? like, I don't know how to answer that question. Like, what do you mean? Like, you guys, like, think about where business comes from. What we're really talking about is sourcing where business comes from and going back to the basics because that's what the business used to be. Yeah. Um, we used to be needed for the in information and interpretation of the information. Now we're needed for the confirmation. There's a difference between that. They're only, they're only uh, using us and utilizing realtors because you're right. There always be just like a Redfin agent. There always be a human interface with the transactional process. The difference is going to be is how much the human interface is paid and who generates the business. That's it. Because lead generation and client generation is always what determines how big or how much you get paid. That is exactly on point. And, and, the, and the fact that if people take a database and I know it's boring, ugh, I don't want to do it. And so there's companies like ours that can help, right? There are other companies out there. And then once you have a database, there's great companies like Mike's that can stay in front of, keep that brand strong, right? Yep. And pick which one works best for you, but find something. Don't do yeah. nothing, right? Because like, what is it? The you know, best way to lose $3 billion is do nothing. Right. You can, yep. you can go off course or you can just stay stagnant while the world passes you by. So take I agree. And go get it done. I have uh, one more question I want to see. I'm on your site here. And um, all right, guys, stay in front of your sphere of influence that we're talking about. But I want to switch because there's another big audience that's going to be popping off pretty soon here. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens. When's the announcement for the moratorium and all of that? It was supposed to be end of July, but we're going to talk about the COVID distressed market very briefly because I noticed this is a little button on your site. And I know you probably know a lot about it. So I'd like to get your take on the audience of COVID distress. Let's first define what COVID distress to you means. And then I got more questions after that. Sure. So uh, COVID distress to us is something that we built last year when we wanted to start understanding and track this beast of whatever the hell it was going to be, right? And so what we did is we built a, a triple or three-way, uh, really more algorithm than model, where one was 
you know, what, how bad is it severity, uh, you know, Johns Hopkins, CDC, all the data you see, aggregate all of that and boom, there you go. Then we said, okay, if it's bad there, how, you know, how likely are the people in this property to get it? So we're looking at proximity units, density of units, which jobs do you have with your first line person? Like, are you in an area? Are you doing things that could get you in touch and in contact with this stuff, right? And the third one is then, okay, if you get it, how financially painful would it be? Now we're looking at industries that you've been cut. Are, are you a single parent? What's your FICO? You know, what does your income look like? All kinds of things that are around. Okay, that would be a very painful house to have everyone out of commission for a while, right? And so what we built was COVID distress. And, and initially it was just gonna be a new engineer feature that goes into our likely seller model. But I liked it, I'm like, man, this is a new distressed asset class that never existed before. I'm like, that is, that is something that we can help people with. Let's get that out there and try to be selective to who we sell it to. So we're not selling it to sharks. We're selling it to people that want to help their community, people that are in need, right? I mean, humans are good, I think, at the end of the day. You know, we really are. We're not, not out there trying to kill everybody. So that was the essence of what we brought. And what, what we've ended up selling and bringing to the market is where you get up to 2,000 uh, likely, likely COVID distress properties within each county for a couple hundred bucks. Um, it's it's uh, something we weren't trying to make a bunch of money on. It was more like get it out there so we can help people if they need it. And, you know, that is what the, the ride. Of the COVID distress, how many are owner-occupied? How many landlords on Ooh, average? Uh, that, 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 that? that varies. Uh, it, it, that'd be hard for me to give you a data point that I could stick to without actually pulling a report and looking at it. Uh, it varies a lot. Um, you know, we, we did find that, you know, it, it skewed towards uh, older people or people that were in, um, kind of frontline jobs, um, you know, or jobs that were highly hit by the industry, uh, by kind of being shut down. And then, then, then they relocate and they don't want to take a job because they're getting paid by the government. And so that was just like spiral of like, Oh God, what do we do? And then they don't have to pay the rent for long enough and they can't put it on the back end. Then they're being asked to pay, you know, X amount up front. It's like, Oh my God, this is going to go. There's going to be a piece. And there's also that pent up demand for natural organic, you know, percentage of foreclosures that occur, that's been basically plugged as well outside of COVID. So when this yeah. plug comes out, I do believe you're going to see that pent up demand of organic foreclosures occur. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen all at once or it's, it's going to be spread out somehow by some government mandate. Government's going to, I think they're going to spread it out. Um, yeah. For you guys that weren't around in 07, 08, 09, 010, what happened was there wasn't a plan at that time. So everything came out and just like, is like basically if like, imagine your kid just throwing up yeah. Uh, after they drink their milk bottles, I have a newborn. So that's the first analogy I think of. Like, it just I know that one, out. man. It's just going to come out. And because no one was ready for that crash there, but what um, they, they've learned is that you can't flood the property or the market with too many distressed properties at a time, because if you do, then it's going to uh, crash and the corrections already happening. And I know you guys might, someone, you guys might be in a hot market. Great. Well, trust me, it's correcting right now. It has to. I don't, I don't think that the values are going up. I think inflation's going up. And I don't think people are making more money on the houses. They're saying just the dollar and the houses are worth isn't worth as much as it was last year or two years ago. So you got to really look at the uh, economic picture here. And yeah, I'm hearing the sim similar things. Um, mm -hmm. There's going to be a large demand of properties. What's going to be interesting is how the loss mitigation workout happens on the back end of the servicers. And I believe they're going to tie in big tech to this process. Zillow is going to be a buyer of these distressed assets in some way, shape or form, because they don't want them reaching the retail spectrum of it, which again, but you have to realize when somebody is, and here's the key for you guys, this is why it's so important. 
just because someone's distressed and they're not making payments on the bank, they are still the owner of record, regardless of how far behind they are. They are the only party to a transaction that has the right power and authority to accept, reject, entertain all offers on the property, including the one their lender or servicer will make to them to solve for this distress situation. Mm -hmm. So you guys have to be ready um, to be that advocate um, for them in that case, because um, you know they're out to to make a profit. You're gonna you're gonna see um, this happening, and I. It's gonna be a really interesting take of what's gonna happen, but I would I I'm banking on landlords without tenants paying. There's gonna be quite a bit of those, I believe. But some of the people, he's right, they're never gonna be able to catch up. And if this correction happens in conjunction with that, just five percent, ten percent, because we have appreciated. Here's what the agents are saying: Oh, the market's done so well, and this time people put down a lot of money. Well, someone who put down ten percent, if the market shifts ten percent, they're fucking underwater. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, especially if it's. Uh, no, I mean, it, it's, it's not nice that much money they put down. Like, oh, I pre put down 5%. Great. It costs 7% to sell your house. How much do you charge your clients? If someone put down 5% and the market doesn't appreciate at all, they're underwater in a sales perspective. Yeah, they are. Or if you feel like you own the house outright, or if you feel like it's appreciating so quickly and it's going to keep going. And so people do cash out. So we keep bumping that up. You know, all of those scenarios where you keep that LTV way too high is, yeah. is where you get in trouble. And one of the things you just, pointed to that I think is very underreported probably intentionally um, is because of this reverse migration that's occurring kind of out from the, the main center of, uh, you know, metros, right? Um, you have these these properties that were highly valued. People aren't living in them, subletting them out, whatnot. And right now you're having billions poured into not so much I buyers, but more like hedge funds that are buying properties, sight unseen, just buying everything they can and you're seeing this change from what used to be the American dream to where it's a Wall Street. And then we could, with, if we're not careful, turn into a country of renters. And so that's what know, their goal is. What's happening. That is that's, exactly why, because there's more juice on that. Yeah, there's, they just want a residual payment long-term as a hedge fund. This is exactly, we were just having this conversation in my office yesterday. Um, yeah, that's, they get all the that's equity, what's happening. Yep. Right, they, they get the SaaS revenue and the equity. It's a cake and eat it too. And they need, they need things like this to cause people to say, okay, I'll do that. Yep. So be careful. If you're an agent, make sure you're ready to service those people and give them smart advice. Go to training, keep your brand strong, use your brand that kind of says, I'm an expert in that area because it's coming. And rather than being kind of showing it that that's the first video you made after it's kind of public, you're kind of playing catch up. Start, yeah. start to kind of tell them that you know how to deal with that kind of stuff. If you're an investor, be smart, be savvy, don't take advantage, right? Yep. I mean, find good deals, help people do leasebacks, whatever, but, you know, do something that's right for the industry. Everyone can make money. There's plenty of it out there. Yep. Right on, dude. Um, awesome show, dude. Uh, really good. Unexpected. Love it. Thanks Speak the same you. language. Um, why don't you go ahead and let people know how they can reach you? Oh yeah. Hey, thanks, man. Um, you know, if you guys are interested in what we do, uh, go to likely.ai. I know it's like not.com. It's .ai. So likely.ai. Um, slash get info or slash connect and you, you can kind of get in touch with us or email us at uh, more deals at likely.ai. If you want to try the database refresh for free, um, you can drag and drop it and we'll give you that free report. Just go to app.likely.ai, drag and drop your database. Man, it's totally free and we want to help you. So if it looks great, we'd love to work with you. Um, if not, you know, please don't buy it. We, we, we don't want you to buy it if it's not good. So uh, yeah. I, we, we want to help the industry all the way through. So thank you very much Great. for having me on, Mike. This was a blast. 
<laughs> yeah, thanks for coming, man. And thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Real Estate Marketing Dude podcast. Uh, folks, you heard me mention a couple of things on the show today. Um, if you're really looking for a listing strategy that is going to compete back against big tech and actually uh, define your value proposition you bring to the table as an agent, I want you to check out listingadvocate.com. That's listingadvocate.com, where we teach you how to adapt several different listing strategies so you can monetize all of them. Who cares? What sellers want more than anything is optionality. And the one who provides the options is going to be the one who starts doing things different. In addition to that, if you like what you saw and you heard here and you need to build your brand because everyone's forgetting that you're in real estate, then you just need a real estate marketing dude. You call us, we script edit and distribute your video content, make you the most celebritized agent within your market and definitely among your database so that people stop forgetting about you and stop asking Zillow what the fuck to do and start asking you what the hell you should do. So all of that stuff is all we do. It's what we specialize in and we love your business and we'd love you to check it out. Realestatemarketingdude.com, realestatemarketingdude.com. Thanks for listening to another episode. Connect with us on social, leave us some reviews and check out our YouTube channel. See you guys next week. Bye. Thank you for watching another episode of the Real Estate Marketing Dude podcast. If you need help with video or finding out what your brand is, visit our website at www.realestatemarketingdude.com. We make branding and video content creation simple and do everything for you. So if you have any additional questions, visit the site, download the training, and then schedule time to speak with a dude and get you rolling in your local marketplace. Thanks for watching another episode of the podcast. We'll see you next time.